Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Cybersecurity Matters podcast. I'm your host, Dominic Vogel. Uh, super excited for today's episode. Uh, we have someone joining us all the way from the UK, so several time zones away from here, uh, here in Vancouver. Uh, it's my good friend, Jane Franklin. Uh, Been in the cybersecurity industry, oh gosh, probably almost close to 25 years. Really excited to have her on. She's just a tremendous champion uh, for uh, for gender uh, equity and moving our profession forward. Um, so I'm going to take a pause here and we'll bring Jane aboard. Jane, thank you so much for joining us on the Cybersecurity Matters podcast. How are you doing today, my friend? Yeah, it's so good to be here. I mean, we've talked about doing this for quite a while. So yeah, I'm so happy. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, I, I know you and I have been, uh, I mean, you and I have been friends for quite a few years now. And, um, you know, I, I'm just so glad that we ma managed to make this happen. Uh, I know it's hard with the time zone difference, me being in Vancouver, you being in the UK, but uh, I really, really appreciate you coming on the show. And uh, I'm just really looking forward to, if nothing else, catching up with, with uh, my amazing friend Jane here. But uh, I thought maybe we could start with something where you could talk to our audience, our, um, our, our listeners and viewers. Tell them a little bit more about you. What, what's your personal narrative? What's your career narrative today? Yeah, so I believe that the world will only be safer, happier, and more prosperous when you get more women in industries like, like cyber, so male-dominated industries. And um, yeah, so I didn't come from a, a, I didn't have a background in, in technology. I am a firm believer in really doing some good in the world. And I worked in cyber for over 20, 24 years, which is crazy because it doesn't feel like it. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so I spent a long time in, in cyber building what some people would call a hacking firm. So we call it penetration testing. Old schoolers like me call it pen, pen testing uh, for short. And I, I built a pen testing company. I went straight into um, information security, as we used to call it then, or IT security or network security. We call it cyber now. Um, I went straight into that after graduating in art and design and falling pregnant with my son and kind of realizing quite quickly that I needed to change direction. And when I was told to go and get a proper job, I kind of followed a trail which led me to, to technology. And because I didn't really know anything about technology, what interested me in 1997 were, were two things, um, AI or cyber. And AI in 1997 was was far too, it was too early to like build a business really in 97. So I went into business um, very early on with a partner who was technical and, and we built a, we built a farm, a consultancy and expanded it, niched down into pen testing. And that's kind of like how I got into cyber and came to partly do what I do now. Wow, what, what, what an amazing narrative to, to, to date, Jane. And um, I mean, you know this for our listeners and viewers. I mean, Jane is someone who leads with kindness and compassion. One of the nicest people I've ever met, and I always appreciate how you, how you lead. And um, maybe just just going into into what you're doing today. You know, t talking about you know championing the need to um, strengthen our, our industry and strengthen our workforce by th through uh, diversity, through gender diversity, thought diversity. Um, t tell me more about what you're doing today, um, and, and, yeah, and, and how so we can move the industry forward. Yeah, so so I built this. I built a pen testing company and everything like that. I come out of that, sold it, moved on. Really didn't know what I wanted to do and ended up writing a book called Insecurity, which 
happen to be about women and why and how women see risk in a different way to men. And, and everything has led from there. So I always say that what I'm doing now, so helping helping women and businesses who value women to evolve, I, I'd say it happened by accident, you know, so I am led by my heart. You know, I do, I am extremely ambitious. I do want it all, you know, so I want to <laughs> enjoy what I do. I want to follow my heart and uh, lead with that passion. And I really care about the industry so, and I care about all people. So whilst I may be leading with women, uh, I always say what's good, what's good for men is well, what's good for women is good for men, you know, so it really is leading with women, but really building companies and environments that are fit for all people. And the funny thing is, I mean, I've, I've been having some conversations recently because I talk a lot about evolution. So no blame, no shame, just better business. Yeah. So we're here to evolve. Women need to evolve. A lot of the work that I do with, with women is around equity um, and companies need to evolve. But if companies were great for all people, we wouldn't really need to evolve as women, you know, because it would just be great for all, all women, all, all people, including women. But the sad, the sad factor is that we are still really quite out of date with the way that we are now in terms of leadership, in terms of culture, in terms of business. Uh, even in terms of education, so we're still we're largely patriarchal, patriarchal, and um, certainly our education systems are really still fit for the industrial revolution. So certainly not for the times that we're in now and the fourth in industrial revolution, which we're on the on the cusp of. So yeah, for me, it's kind of interesting. So say with the work that I do with women, it really is about you deciding as a woman how you want to be. Do you want to fit into a company? And if so, if you can fit into that company, then that's absolutely fine. Go for it. If you can't, then let me teach you how to look for signals uh, from a, a good company that is great for all people. So let me teach you how to do that. And also let me teach you how to, um, how to evolve so that your voice can be heard. You can amplify your voice. You can build your confidence. Confidence is really just about how we see risk. So again, if environments are are safe and safe for all people, then our confidence just grows. We don't need to raise our confidence because we feel safe, so we can take action and not be frightened to do so. Um, so for me, it really is about equipping women so that they know how to play by different rules of the game. Because what <laughs> The, the the rules of the game in business are different for women than they are for men. So, and then of course I teach if if a if a woman wants to build her own business, then great, let's do it. So if you don't want to fit in, um, if you don't want to do the other things, then go build your own company, like create your own culture, grow as a leader, you can do it. So really kind of working from a position of the world is your oyster. Um, and inspiring and empowering and equipping, uh, uh, say in this case, a, a woman with the tools, the internal game and the external game, so that the strategy and the tools that uh, she needs in order to go and do that. Jane, you know, one of the things which I, I, I've at least seen over the past few years too, you know, when we're talking about diversity and inclusion, you know, I've seen more organizations at least 
giving, well, I just see, at least, you know, or not at least isn't the right word, but giving lip service to diversity, which they're saying, yeah, you know, we're, we'll, we'll, we'll hire, you know, um, someone different. And, and, you know, in many organizations, it ends up being, you know, a, 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 almost what I'll refer to as a, as a token diversity hire. But the, the, uh, what we're seeing, too, is that, or at least what I'm seeing, a lot of people who are, are hired, but it's like being invited to, to the dance, but you're just shunned off to the corner, right? We're still struggling with the inclusion where we're seeing a lot of people uh, especially in women who are brought in, uh, um, will they'll burn out or they'll leave because they again they don't feel welcome. So um, I know it's like like almost two parts there. But w- how do we get organizations to the part where they it's not just the diversity they're focusing on, but the need to make sure that there's the right culture. That and I think you're, you're hinting at that the right culture, the right processes, the right uh, feeling there that the, the, that women feel empowered when when they're brought into the the security workforce. Yeah, I mean, I absolutely great questions. First of all, change change begins in language. So we need to stop saying certain things and start saying other things. So say, for instance, one of the things that I hear quite a lot um, about is that women need to work twice as hard or 10 times as any man in order to progress in an industry. That language needs to stop because really all you're doing is um, you are working on the basis of that's how it was for you and your career and that's how you chose to be it if if we continue working like that which is how it is now and a lot of the messaging that is coming from some women who are really well meaning but it's the fastest way to burn out mm-hmm. so it's just like we need to like stop doing that and not give that message you need to work twice as hard or 10 times as hard the industry is really tough people People, irrespective of gender, are burning out. Forrest has said one in 10 experienced cyber professionals this year would be leaving the industry because of things like stress and burnout and so on, you know, non-advancement um, progression and things like that. So it's, it's, it's tough. You know, we've got more threats coming at us and we're having to be evolving the whole time, be aware, locking down, <laughs> all of that stuff. And we have... Uh, we are often short on skills. So we are working at extra capacity full stop as, as profess- professionals, irrespective of gender. So we don't have enough people in our teams. Um, so it's tough for us. But when you actually say to a woman, you need to work twice or 10 times as hard, that is just the fastest way to burn out. So we have to stop that. From a company perspective, from a leadership perspective, we really need to be um, sharpening our saw on leadership. So a lot of the time, leadership is not sexy, it's not glamorous. Leaders don't really hone their leadership skills. What are, they, what are they reading? What are they consuming? What training courses are they going on? They might have gone on some years and years ago, but you fall into bad habits yeah. and the culture around you can seep in as well. So you really have to be equipping yourself as a leader to be um, really equipping your your team um, and creating that culture. So the responsibility is, there's a lot of, I I place a lot of responsibility on leaders actually. You know, organizations, yes. You know, the leader has to choose an organization that will enable them to do their work and their best work, you know, and is fit for them. So that's a, a careful consideration. But when if the leader has chosen an organization like that, the leader needs to go in and really create the culture because culture comes from leaders. And for things like if you have, I hear from women frequently, 
about misogynist behavior, about looking the other way, mm -hmm. uh, comments, sexist comments, like horrendous things, uh, tox, tox, toxicity, mm -hmm. you know, and it's, it's when things like that are tolerated, it just breeds, you know, and so we have to make sure that we're not looking the other way. We have to make sure that things like this, um, from a leadership perspective, are nipped in the bud. We need to have the support around us in order to do that. So that means means HR needs to be working with us, not against us, because, again, you can have some great leaders out there and they are really trying and working hard to do that and they are not being supported by the systems ar around them. So... <clears throat> As much as anything, it's like women looking for signals, like what are the signals in, in the organizations like leaders need to too. So we can collectively put the pressure on organizations and, and leaders and those around us to actually step up and do a better job. So I kind of believe we have a responsibility individually and we can also do that collectively. But we have to, everything comes from the values and the mission. So it's like the work that I do, I say I lead with women, but as much as, as anything being a champion for women and for this industry, I'm a champion for all people because what I want is it to be right for all people so we can get on and do the best work and be the happiest and more creative and innovative and healthy though, though we can be because you only live, you only live once, you only live once consciously um, if that's what some people believe. But, you know, we owe it to ourselves and we also owe it to future generations as well to make it better for them. I really appreciate how eloquently you, you, you stated all that, Jane, you know, and um, as with any ecosystem, you know, the ecosystems need diversity to thrive, not just to survive, but to thrive. And arguably the security ecosystem has been choked by just sort of the old school patriarchal, you know, white IT guy mindset for, for far too long. And for us to truly get to next level to truly push the um, the, the industry forward, right? We, we, we need to all be um, championing this, um, like you're saying, for for everyone, right? The the, the benefits are there for, for, for everyone. And um, absolutely. I, but um, just one thing on like the YIT man, it's just like that is only in some countries. Yes. So in some countries, it's just not the case. Yes. They have different problems. And and I think that's really important for us to acknowledge, you know, from an inclusivity perspective. Yes. Like in India, like it's not the same case. Yeah. Um, and in other countries, it, it's the same. So, you know, again, it comes back to language and being precise with our language. And also, also the other thing is, um, is about this call out culture. Yeah. And as being tolerant, it's just like, us respecting one another as an individual and us being okay with, well, you might not get it right the whole time, but we're all learning. None of us are perfect. So let's not shame or make someone wrong. Let's learn together. And if you've got an appetite for that, let's open ourselves up. I mean, it's it's kind of ironic in cyber and, you know, lockdown. <laughs> like that. But, you know, it's a, you know, man plans and God laughs, um, you know, is the saying. But it's so true. It's just... You know, I, I, I despise this, uh, this horrendous um, aggression mm -hmm. to take someone down. We see a lot of it in cyber because of the culture, yeah. you know, because we have this protect and this uh, attack culture, you know, the two sides of the coin. But it really is about really having this spirit of being a, a beginner and having an open mind. And it's just like, teach me, help me. 
Um, I apologize if I have caused offense and, and pain and things like that and really owning it yes. and, and having the appetite to, to learn and not shaming, yeah. not shaming someone. I don't like witnessing that at all. Yeah, that's so profound what you're sharing there, Jane. You know, I mean, there's, there's, there's a respectful and kind. Again, that's why I said like how I, I love how you lead with kindness and lead with compassion, right? Um, that uh, ultimately you you drive change uh, by being a positive light and 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 bringing that forward. And I, and I admire and respect the, that that that's how you how you approach things because that, that's ultimately how we're going to pave and illuminate a path forward. Um, w- one final question I have for you. Um, is around hiring practices. Um, you know, I think how that fits more into, into um, DEI as well, but um, are, are hiring practices just um, broken? Uh, I mean, even just from an experience perspective, right? Sometimes they're asking for someone who has 10 years of experience with a piece of technology that's only been around for two years. Uh, how badly broken is the hiring process and what can be done? <clears throat> I don't know how badly broken is because we're not measuring it. Um, it's something that I'm looking at. It's also, there are many measurements and signals and, and uh, yeah, that I'm looking at, even certifications, yeah. so that we can better understand these things. But hiring is so fundamentally broken. Um, there's so much bias. So say, for instance, like when it comes to us as, as women, so we often hear like women are needed, women are wanted, they come and join this brilliant progressive industry, it's the future, it's the now, you're well paid, and so on. And then you hear that it takes a woman who has that passion, that curiosity, the appetite, sometimes even the qualifications yeah. uh, with, with a degree from computer science or IT, not being able to actually find a position for two years, you know, so giving up. That's how broken it is. And that's how broken it was when I wrote my book, however many years ago in 2017. Um, and it's still this, the same now. We are making progress but we're not making progress fast enough. So we still have a lot of complacency. We still have a lot of lip service, which is what you alluded to earlier. Uh, People, companies, leaders, and organizations that might want to look as if they're actually actually embracing this and doing something about it, but they're really paying lip service to it. They're not walking the talk. So what we want, (laughs) and we can, again, force this collectively, force the change that needs to be for all people by doing certain things. So um, hiring processes are still broken. There is bias within them. Sometimes you have a leader who gets that and wants change, but is frustrated because the organization is so big, it can't take the, either take on board the policies and practices or even the tools, because there are some good technical tools out there to help remove some of the bias that is in the early stages so that we actually make it um, great for all people, you know, so uh, removing uh, things like um, identifying signals, so age, gender, ethnicity, uh, socioeconomic signals, like university background and things like that. So that's almost like a first stage, but it's not enough just to do that. It can remove some bias, but there are more things that you can do at the first rounds of, of hiring. And some of those, uh, some of the tools that are out there are really good, you know, whether they're removing bias language in the job specifications, we can do a better job writing them. Uh, we can re- remove um, uh, things that just aren't needed. We can open ourselves up. You know, if you've got the ability, we can hire on competence and we can teach you the skills. So 
if you've got the ability, rather, if you've got the capacity to learn and learn fast because these are skills of the now and certainly the fourth industrial revolution, we can we can teach you. But do you <laughs> do you hold the same values? And um, which is really important. Um, not a case of will you fit in because that's not what we want. We want cultural addition. So it's just like, what can you add to us? Have you got the ability to learn fast and take this on board? Have you got that curiosity? Not necessarily passion. If you're passionate, then great. But if you're curious, fantastic, because we can do so much with that. It's our job to make people passionate, not theirs to come equipped. It just puts another barrier in their place. So we really need to move as many barriers as possible um, so that we can um, open the doors again. Because say, say, Dom, you and I have been in this industry for quite a long time. When we came into it, the doors were wider open. People got landed with this thing. It's just that you can learn on the job. And although the stakes are higher now because there are, there are more connections and we've got far more technology, the world is run on technology and everything is hackable. So it's not quite this, it's not nearly the same environment as it was then, but we, it was much more open. So there was more, we have that. And then what we've done is we've shut everything down and we've put restrictions and called for, you've got to be this, you've got to be this, you've got to be this, you've got to be this. So it's really difficult to get in. Unless you come in through a back door or you know someone, and I'm a huge advocate of like building your network, you know, to circumvent yeah. some of these broken processes. You know, CISOs like uh, Chief Information Security Officers have to do that. Other leaders have to do it. And it's just like, make it, make it happen. So, um, yeah, to answer your question, the bulk of the hiring processes are, are, um, are not suitable. They're not fit for purpose. And that's even without adding AI in and things like that. <laughs> you know, it's just like horrendous. Yeah, Jane, you're just such a wealth of knowledge. I love your positive energy. For for our viewers and listeners who want to learn more about you and follow you, what are some great spots for them to connect with you? Yeah, my website, um, jane-frankland.com. Um, LinkedIn, it's the same thing. You can find me pretty much everywhere. Just look for my name, Jane Frankland. Jane, thank you, as always. Thank you for being the good in the world. Thank you for moving the world towards a, a state of greater gender uh, equity. And you know, one step at a time, we uh, uh, dissemble the uh, patriarchal uh, apparatus. But my friend, thank you so much for such an amazing conversation. Uh, always I'm so grateful for your friendship. And uh, thank you again for joining yeah. us today on the podcast. Oh, likewise. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks so much, Dom. Yeah, you're, you're the best, Jane. Uh, I will take a momentary pause here and then I'll add some final thoughts before we wrap up today's episode. What a wonderful conversation. Uh, Jane, as I mentioned during the episode, is someone who leads with kindness, leads with compassion. That's how you drive actual change. That's how you drive positive change in any industry or in the world. Uh, so it always gives me great hope that there's amazing leaders like Jane, uh, not just in the security field, but in the world in general, uh, who are out there doing good things and, and, and pushing us as humans and pushing society forward. So I want to extend a special thank you to Jane for joining us today, especially late in her evening there in, uh, over in the UK. Uh, as always, I want to send a special thank you to our loyal listeners and uh, viewers who join us each and every week. If you did miss a previous episode, do check out the Cybersecurity Matters YouTube page, or if you prefer listening, uh, check out uh, previous episodes on your favorite podcasting platform. Until next time, be well, be safe, and we'll see you again next time on the Cybersecurity Matters podcast. Mm -hmm.